activate, we're activating the victorious mindsets for the past. This will be week number five to activate a victorious mindset in everything that we do. We want to think like Jesus. We want to think like Jesus so we can act like Jesus and we can have all the promises just flow to us easily because there's nothing blocking in our minds and our mindsets and or even in, in how we're living our lives. Hallelujah. Do y'all agree? Amen. Romans 12, verse 2, which is a key verse we've been using. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I've heard this uh, said different ways, but I know there's been times that Pastor and I have not been in the perfect will of God, but we've only been in His acceptable will. And I know I've heard people say, well, there it's all, it's the perfect or it's nothing. But that just simply is, cannot be the case. There's been times when, when we didn't have enough revelation to be in His perfect will. Hallelujah. You have to grow and renew your mind into being in the perfect will of God. And just because God accepts something at one level does not mean He's going to accept it when you go to another level. Isn't that the case? I mean, haven't you had to change some things? Hallelujah. What He accepted in me as a Baptist and blessed me in spite of myself, He, when I got revelation, He quit accepting that. And He dealt with me to deal with these with issues that I had in my life. So we're having to walk in a place that maybe all your friends aren't having to walk. They may get to they may watch stuff without conviction that brings you under conviction. Hallelujah. And even people sometimes that are uh, that are more prominent than you uh may not walk in the level of commitment and anointing that God has called you to walk in. I've had I had a, we've had a minister I was thinking about today, a minister that we love. One time we recommended a TV show to us and I watched that and I thought that is the filthiest, almost horrible. I'll tell you what it was. It was house. And I'm saying you that is perverted. That man is a pervert. And if you can watch that without conviction, get down here. I'm going to cast the devil out of you right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise God. And But a minister told us it was good. And, and you know, I, you know, praise God. But I've learned that just because they are maybe even known nationwide doesn't mean they're walking in the same place that we're walking as far as spirit. You know, what we've got to get over is numbers doesn't mean blessing. Numbers doesn't mean necessarily higher anointings or higher levels of authority. And God's called us to walk in this church in a place of authority. I mean, oh, thank you know, I was thankful God let us pray Sunday morning uh, for, you know, that uh, young man. And uh, that all turned out amazing, didn't it? Hallelujah. It could have been bad. And Pastor said he read somewhere that there was an intercessor, somebody that was there the entire time, stayed the entire time praying until Monday morning that she left right before they, I guess she got released because then that afternoon it all came down. And uh, uh, so uh, praise God that God allowed us to put our forces with her and whoever else was in there. But you know, sometimes God will call on a church, somebody's praying and they're doing it, but God needs a key word spoken. You know, sometimes we don't realize how important just one key word can be in prayer to release something and unlock something. It's kind of like when you have the combination to a vault, but you're one letter off. You got to have, she may have had five of the numbers for the combination and needed one number. 
And we might have got to be, I don't know, but I know that God dealt with me that morning. In fact, I had it strong that morning that we had to pray. And it was an interruption to our normal flow. But we're always asking the Holy Ghost to interrupt our flow. And then we say, God, then when he does, we go, oh, Lord, not that. That doesn't fit this morning. (laughs) Or that's how I do. It's like, well, you know, hallelujah. And, you know, then I go, well, you know, the little kids are in here and I don't want to mention. So I try to do those things discreetly because I don't want to scare the liver out of them, you know. You know what I'm saying? And so I tried to just say this young person and, you know, whatever. And because uh, I don't know how much y'all told them and how much you hadn't. And I know I'm glad you shelter them. But anyway, so we'll, we do our best in those areas. But God allowed us to be uh, praying. He's called us to carry an anointing. He's called us to carry a prayer level that maybe not everybody is. And so because of that, we have to walk in commitment levels that other people don't necessarily have, have to. Do y'all understand that? Third John. John chapter, 3 John, verse 2. Hallelujah. So we're going to get some good stuff tonight about having a victorious mindset. And I know this is, this is helping me. It's changing me, just being teaching this. And I tell you that the ones tonight, I'm, I have just, I've really had to, it's like, <laughs> these are things I need to work on and that I am working on in my life. These are, these are big things. 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. So what we have to understand here, and this has to do with a renewed mind, is our soul is, our mind is a part of our soul. And our soul, if we, if our mind's not renewed, our soul won't be prospering. Not according to God's, you know. uh, And so this soul prosperity determines our health, our physical health, our relationship health, our uh, the health that we have in every area, but it also determines our prosperity, our you know our financial prosperity. So we we want to have renewed minds. We want to have prosperous souls. Is that correct? Hebrews chapter four verse twelve. This is a really favorite scripture of mine. Hebrews four twelve. For the word of God, don't you love the word? is quick. I like it because it's quick. That means alive. But I also sometimes like to think about that it's quick. It'll, it, it'll do the work fast. Amen. Amen. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. You know, sometimes it's hard to tell what's our soul and what's our spirit. And only the Word of God can divide between soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. It'll go clear down into your physical body and divide and pierce down in to the very joints and marrow. Hallelujah. I mean, so when we speak the Word of healing, it's going down in deep into our literal physical being. Joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Only with the Word of God can you discern between good and evil. Only with the Word of God can you discern whether something is uh, 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 pure or impure or whether, hallelujah, you can, in, in the, and only with the Word of God can you discern these victorious mindsets and where your mind needs to be changed. Because we all, every day, have uh, thoughts. We have a bunch of thoughts every day, every one of us, that are not victorious thinking. And so the Word of God will give us a check about those things. Hallelujah. That, that, that's not a victorious way to think. Hallelujah. And so we need the Word of God. Mark 4.19. 
Another very favorite of all of ours, I trust it is of yours, Brother Pastor talked about this Sunday. Brother Copeland said that, well, he taught us early on, if you don't know this, you don't, you don't understand anything about the kingdom. Mark 4, beginning in verse 14, but we're going to read down in verse 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust or desire of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Well, I don't believe that's a comprehensive list there. I believe that's three things that will, that probably are very prominent in our lives that will choke the word. But any of these mindsets... Anything where our mind's not retuned, anywhere we, where we have a mindset or a way of thinking that's not according to the Word, it will choke the Word of God out if we don't get a renewed mind. So we have to have these victorious mindsets so that the Word is fruitful in our lives and, and, and bears fruit. Uh, hallelujah. You know, you can have a mindset against tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you can come to church and have everything the preacher says about that choked out because you have such a firm mindset against it. So it's not just about the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, but anything that's not a, 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 a thinking according to the Word of God can choke. If, it, if it's strong enough in you and if you're not open to change and willing to change and willing to hear the Word of God, we need to be willing for the Word of God to correct us and change us. Amen. And if we're not, it'll choke it out. Hallelujah. And I don't want the Word choked out. Do you? Praise God. Uh, so uh, we have to purposely do things in our lives that prosper our soul. Purposely, on purpose, all the time, do things that are causing going to cause our soul to be prosperous. And I, 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 I really believe that not everything that prospers our soul is necessarily spiritual. In a sense, it's spiritual because it prospers our soul. But we like, uh, you know, playing in the yard with my grandson on an afternoon can prosper my soul. I mean, it, it just, it lifts my mind, will, and emotions up. And that, yet that's not necessarily a spiritual thing, although it does line up with the Word of God for us to be with, you know, and uh, be with the household of faith, and we could just go on and on proving that it's the Word of God. So God's not going to take and say, now you got to prosper your soul, so you got to read the Bible 24-7. No, there's other things that will cause our soul to prosper, but we cannot do it through those things to the exclusion. You know, it's going to take the Word of God to feed us and to feed our spirit. Hallelujah. And so we need to purposely find the things that prosper your soul. You know, things that prosper your soul might not prosper mine. Uh, uh, one of the things that Pastor and I have found, and the Lord showed me this early on in my life, that something that I believe it is a very big key to good mental health. Y'all want to have mental health. And, it is, and this is... The the key, one of the biggest keys to good mental health is having something to look forward to all the time. So I make sure, and I'm not talking about, well, we're going on vacation next summer. I'm really looking forward to that. No, that's way too far off to help you with your, I mean, it would help some. It could help some, but you need things on a weekly basis, even on a daily basis, I think, that you look forward to that gets you, uh, that, that, that you can be... Uh, Lift it up all day. 
Hallelujah. And and some of those things should be spiritual things. So uh, we want to do things on purpose that prosper our soul, but we want to eliminate things that we know. We know they don't prosper our soul. Have you ever done something that you know? You know, the Bible says if your hand causes you to sin, what does it say to do? Cut it off. I don't believe that's literally talking about cutting off your hand. I think what it's talking about is whatever's causing you to sin, just cut it out of your life. Instead of, you know, sometimes that's the easy way. Sometimes we do things the hard way. Oh, God, I'm just trying to resist temptation. I'm just trying to resist temptation. Well, it's if you'll just cut it out of your life, it's real easy to resist temptation. You know, if you're trying to get free from alcohol, you better get it out of the refrigerator. Instead of, oh God, just help me resist that bear. Just help me, oh God. No, just dump it all in the garbage and you'll be you'll be fine. Hallelujah. God, you hallelujah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you lay the cigarettes on the toe. Oh God, help me resist them thing. And that's how people do things. And it's like, no, just cut that thing off. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Do y'all agree? Cut the internet off if that causes you to sin. You know, praise the Lord. There, I believe there's people that, that, that really can never get back on it their whole life. And I, you know what? There are survivors from other centuries that, have, don't, that, that do, did not have access to the internet. Yeah, there, I have heard that there are survivors. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anything that, that causes our... And you know, sometimes we stay in an old relationship that, boy, we know that, that that's not, our soul's not prospering. You know, are we... You know, what else do we do? We can't think of it all tonight. But if, we, if it's causing our soul not to prosper, we need to eliminate it. I know, you know, we could get out of balance. We could say, well, you know, that housework, it causes my soul not to prosper. <laughs> we know we got to find a way. We got to find a way. Hallelujah. But I already found the way. It was called recruitment. That's, I said, you know, kids, kids. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Laquina agrees with me. Praise God. And start them early. So when they're two years old, they reach chair legs real good. And you know, they want to help when they're two. They're begging you to help. And, and instead we say, oh, no, 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 you can't. Oh, no, I'm like, give them a dust dragon. See all them chair legs? Dust them all. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I grew up with a mom that was, boy, you worked. One time when I was a kid, we always cleaned house on Saturday morning. Then we washed our hair and put it in rollers. Then we went to the grocery store in rollers. Is that bad? <laughs> And every Saturday, my mom would go to the grocery store and she'd tell the butcher, I want six slices of bologna, six slices of uh, salami, six slices of liverwurst, six slices of olive loaf, and six slices of cheese. You bought your cheese from the butcher. I know y'all think that I'm old when I tell you that. And we went home. We had sandwiches every Saturday, unless we had company. And if we had company, we had homemade pimento cheese and homemade tuna salad for lunch every Saturday. In our rollers. <laughs> it was an exciting time. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Well, by that time, we were, you know. I you, See, you, when you're old, when you remember when pantyhose were invented, you remember when curling irons and hot rollers and blow dryers were invented. Huh? Oh, transistor radio. Got one when I was about six years old for Christmas. Hallelujah. See, I'm old. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we're eliminating those things that lead to soul health. I don't know what I was going to tell you all about my childhood when I got off on the bologna and the salami, but it was important, I'm sure. <clears throat> anyway, number nine of our victorious mindsets is I run at my Goliaths. And this is one I'm, I am making myself learn to do. Because I'm like when it comes to housework and stuff like that, laundry, I'm not a procrastinator at all. Because I don't like anything messy. I do not like piles. I, you know, I have to get rid of piles. I have to clean up everything. And, well, it has to be at least neat, you know, and clean, decently clean. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I am a procrastinator sometimes when there's a big thing like, like I'll procrastinate over medical things. I'll procrastinate on going to the eye doctor because I don't want to go. I don't I don't really like them people over there. And, you know, and, and besides, I don't want to pay for new contacts. And, you know, I can think of all sorts of reasons not to go to the eye doctor. So I am sometimes not running at my glass when those. And so I'm like, okay, I've got it. And I'll think about it for six months. I will. And it'll be on my mind. Well, I need to go. I need to call today. Well, maybe I'll call tomorrow. And then the next day, well, I think I'll call next week. It, you know, it's Friday. They're probably closed on Friday. I mean, I can come up with, y'all don't do that, do you? All the time you do that? Oh, I, this is, uh, anyway, we got to overcome procrastination. First Samuel 17. You know, I can think, I don't know which doctor to go to. Well, they wouldn't know what to do anyway, you know. I can think of a, a lot of reasons not to, not to deal with stuff. I'm always, you know, on those tests they make you have, I'm usually operating two or three years behind when they said, uh, you know, you get the little notice in the mail, you need to come in for your, and I'm like, oh, forget that. It's not two years overdue yet. <laughs> First Samuel. I, I said, I'm, see, I'm, I'm being honest. If I be honest, you have to be honest. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. 48. Y'all were supposed to be in the spirit. 1 Samuel 17, 48. So uh, he made haste. He hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. We need to get that victorious mindset instead of I'm going to put it off. No, I'm going to make haste to get this done, get it taken care of, get it off my list, uh, and aggressively confront obstacles, run at problems, because procrastination generally makes the problem bigger. You know when you see that little brown spot on your ceiling and you ignore it, and you procrastinate, and pretty soon what could have been just a little roof repair is fixing to be a new roof. You procrastinate long enough, it'll be a new roof. The little board that falls off the fence, pretty soon the whole fence will fall down. Is that right? Am I telling you the truth now? Hallelujah. Do you know those little things, when we procrastinate, they generally get bigger. And so um, we're going to start running at these things, getting them, get them done, get them off our list, get them off our mind, get them out of our, so that they're not a distraction to us. Hallelujah. Uh, sometimes even, and I, and I found this over in the medical side of things, we can be avoiding things and running and calling it faith. 
Did you ever do that? Like, I, I'm really in faith about this. I'm, I'm not running and avoiding going to the doctor. I'm in faith. You know, I'm really believing God. When that's really not the case, really, we're running from going. We're, we have a fear or something. Um, procrastination will actually drain power from our life. Um, because things don't usually get easier the later you wait. You know, when they tell you, you got to go have the endoscopy down the throat, you know, where they knock you out and they put the little thing down your throat. That doesn't get easier the longer you wait. It's not like, okay, if I do it in March, it'll be hard. But if I wait till June, it'll be easier. No, it's going to be the same. And so it's better to get it off our mind, get it done and, uh, Hallelujah. If the report's not good, tackle it with our faith. If the report is good, which most of the time it is. Hallelujah. Uh, then we have completely cleared our mind. But instead we stay in that limbo which makes us powerless and just, you know, and, and plus war it worries us and stays on our mind and gets our, you know, emotions and our soul all involved. So we're going to learn to run it giants, run it glass, and bite the bullet, Okay. See, if we run at things that are difficult to face, a lot of times the devil has blowed them out of proportion in our mind. I know one time they said, uh, Debbie, you got to have a root canal on this tooth. It was cracked. I had a cracked tooth. Was, I don't even remember which one it was. Hallelujah. But anyway, I, he said, you need to go have a root canal. And so he made me a doctor appointment. I saw that face. He made me appointment with a, 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 a doctor that just, that's all he does is, I guess, is root canals. Hallelujah. Now, see, I grew up in Seagraves, Texas. And in Seagraves, we had an old-timey dentist. I didn't ever see a dentist office with a computer in it till I got to Tuscaloosa. And, uh, and the old-timey dentist, he did everything. He cleaned your teeth. He took out my wisdom teeth on top he took out my wisdom teeth on bottom he did everything and you wasn't all these you know so I, I wasn't used to this other so he said well you gotta go to this special doctor for root canal so I go in there and he explains it all to me and he said do you want me to go ahead with that I said no and I left <laughs> and I did I, I know he was like okay she's weird but I left and um, I did not have the root canal I procrastinated and so then I had to go through, you know, six months passed and everything. The tooth still cracked. And then, so one weekend, I'm like, okay, I'm taking pain medication because finally it's going to start hurting. And if it hurts bad enough, you'll go back to the... So I went back to the root canal doctor. But I had heard my mother-in-law, you know, back in the olden days, back in the olden days, you'd have to make three trips to the doctor to get a root canal. It was a big, major deal. But so I, and so I had this blown out proportion in my mind. I go back to this doctor. Okay, you're going to do the root canal. And he did the root canal and it was like, this is nothing. This is no big deal. I've had braces put on. I've had four wisdom teeth taken out. I've had four permanent teeth pulled just because I had too many teeth in my head so that I could have braces. Uh, I, it's like, what was the big deal? The devil had blowed it so out of proportion in my mind. It was the simplest thing. But I will tell you, he had to back off, back out of the root canal. He said, I can't save this tooth. So then he said, now you need to go to the oral surgeon. 
and you need to have this tooth taken out. Well, I said, uh-uh, I'm procrastinating. I am not going to the oral surgeon. I had seen Eric come out, of, and he was, he was, they had to be wheel him out in a wheelchair from the oral surgeon, and he was, he was loopy and talking strange ways. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm not going. So I went to the dentist, Dr. Smalley. I know he probably thinks she is a nut. I had to change dentists after that. I didn't, I'm getting a reputation for being a nut over there. And uh, I said, I'm not going to that oral surgeon. You pull it. And they don't do that, but he pulled that tooth for me. So procrastin. my point is procrastination cost me because the devil had blown it so out of proportion in my mind. And so I think that's one of the reasons sometimes we procrastinate is because we are overwhelmed because we don't even see the little, sometimes we don't see the little steps. We're so overwhelmed by the big picture. And so that's one of the things, uh uh-oh, hallelujah. That's one of the things that we want to quit doing is uh, is is letting the devil blow things out of proportion in our life. So fear can be a root of procrastination. Distraction can be a root. Inability to see the small steps and imagination blowing things out of proportion. Some ways to get past distraction are to make lists, do harder things early in the day. Now that makes sense when it comes to things like, let's say I'm going to sweep and mop my kitchen floor today. It needs it really bad. And so... I, you know, it makes total sense not to wait till 9 o'clock at night. How did you think that the likelihood of me procrastinating at 9 o'clock at night is greater than if I just hit it 10 o'clock in the morning? Because I can think of a million reasons at 9 o'clock at night that this really wouldn't be a good time. For one, I am tired. And so, hallelujah. So we need to do things that are hardest early in the day. Communicate with people. This is always the right way. When you owe somebody money, always communicate. It don't matter if it's just a business, if it's just the hospital, if it's just the, you know, the light company. Communicating is always the best way. Uh, Communicate with people. If you have promised people things and didn't fulfill those promises, you need to go back and communicate. You may need to even say, you know, I promised I would do that, but I and I am sorry, I ask you to forgive me, but that's really just not feasible. But if you're going to back out of it, you need to back out of it the right way. That might not be the best, but that's sure better than just not saying anything, not doing it. Because one thing about it, when you owe somebody money or you've promised them something, and you, it, 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 I don't care, 30 years from now, every time you see them, that'll be right there up between you. It'll be right there. So you have to communicate with people in these areas. And and uh, unfulfilled uh uh, these promises unfulfilled thanks when you you need to thank people for what they do for you and that's that means you need to write a thank you note we have gotten where we are not only uncultured we're practically uncivilized now pastor and i really try hard to do this if we miss it and you're saying she's preaching it and i know she didn't send me one well i ask you to forgive me right now because i have had things slip by me and you have too but it should be our plan and our general rule that we thank people for one thing people quit sowing into our lives if we're not grateful for what they do 
It is big, and it is a big thing. People do notice that you didn't acknowledge that wedding gift. You didn't acknowledge that baby gift. You didn't acknowledge uh, that that seed that they put in your hand as you was walking out of the church door. And sometimes we think just saying thank you right then is enough, but that's not enough. That is not enough. Not that any of us that sow seed do it to beg you to receive thanks of men, but it's for your sake that you acknowledge that God and somebody went to the trouble to obey God and bless you. And so we need to do, the, do that and teach our children to. Also, uh, uh, and you know, there might be exceptions with immediate family where you don't make your kid write you a thank you note for Christmas, but you know what I'm saying? But when it goes even beyond out, beyond that, we should train them early, buy them some thank you notes, hallelujah, and, and let them write things. And you know, in my opinion, email's a low form of that. It's better than nothing though, but it is a low form and it depends on what it is and how close you are to the person. If you're BFFs, well, which I think is kind of the one of the most crazy things in the earth right now, BFF. She's my BFF, and they have ten of them. TBF, ten BFFs, best friend forever. Anyway, uh, if she's your BFF, you might can just you know send an email over there. Well, thank you so much because you're together all the time. You're doing it all the time. It's back and forth all the time. She's giving you this. You're giving her that. You're trading out your clothes and everything else. I don't have any BFFs that, that go We I never did. Anyway, but uh, sometimes girls are like that. Well, you might not need to send a thank you note for that. But hallelujah, when you get out there beyond and people are going to the trouble to think about you, we need to do these things and, and, and communicate with people. And also apologies. If apologies needed, then apologize. Hallelujah. Glory. And sometimes you can tell somebody's got a toot towards you. You know, they're all stiff and kind of, I always say they, they got a, a what does what Brother Barker always say? Um, well, anyway, I'll come to me in a minute. But uh, <clears throat> you can just tell when somebody's uh, kind of mildly offended, not completely offended, but mildly offended at you. Sometimes you need to run head on at that and say, you know, have I done something to offend you? Because uh, if I have more, I do want to apologize, but I'm not aware. You know, people that are offended usually think you know exactly what you did to them. But most of the time, we don't know what we did or what we said. Because we just goofed up and said something wrong. Hallelujah. Praise God. My, my, this keeps, I didn't leave it on, so it keeps shutting down on me. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, we want to get closure. We want to tie up all our loose ends. And we talked about this before. We can always ask God why we're procrastinating. Now moving on to number 10 on victorious mindsets. Here's a great victorious mindset to have. If this doesn't work out, something better is ahead. If this doesn't work out, if that job doesn't work out, God's got something better ahead. Now that's not a license to act any way we want to. It's not even a license not to believe God and press in and work out tough situations. We need to take the time to work out something that's tough. But we don't have to live in fear. One of the things we want to overcome is hanging on to dead things. Because if we're afraid nothing better's coming, we will hang on to things that are that 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 sometimes are dead. We want to quit living in fear of something being taken from us. You want to quit living in fear that that your job will be taken, or you won't get this promotion, or or uh, 
whatever. If if you don't get that, if you're living for God and He's uh, and He's the Lord of your life, something better is coming. And you know what? It doesn't matter what happens. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And you know, no matter how tempted we are to be disappointed or let down, hallelujah, we don't need to be that way because if this doesn't work out, something better is ahead. I, I like that one. So we don't have to live in dread of losing our job or be overprotective about our belongings. The one the Lord taught me early on, when we first got filled with the Spirit, within two weeks or three after getting filled with the Spirit in, on January 1st, by the third week of January, we was having Bible study in our home. Well, Bible study, now I was an only child. And, you know, only child, I didn't want anybody messing with my stuff. I hid my Barbie dolls in the top of the closet when my mother's and dad's friends came over and brought their kids. <laughs> I was, I mean, I was, uh, I would go to bed with them in the house and shut the door to my room and go to bed with other kids there. Because I was kind of go to bed early, even when I was a little kid. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> uh, so, you know, that, that, that kind of had permeated my my heart and so I'm and I'm being a somewhat uh, melancholy have a little edge of melancholy personality type on my in my personality type which is always uh, uh, kind of organized in particular and very even kind of uh, perfectionist um, that really came over into my house and so God got that out of me for one thing by having me having to confront situations where people were <laughs> doing things to my house. And you have 25 people in your house every Thursday night, and some of them are kids. But one of the things the Lord showed me, and He said to my heart, He said, Debbie, if they tear up anything, I'll replace it. And especially when you're serving God. Now, I mean, if you invite the teenagers of the neighborhood over for a beer party, God might not be responsible to replace what they tear up. But if you're having a Bible study for Him in your home and a kid tears up something, you don't have to worry about it. Now, that doesn't mean you don't, you know, we still told them what to do and what not to do. and we, we But even to this day, I'm really free about my house. I don't worry. I didn't ever put up anything when the grandkids were little. And they never, you know, if they broke it, I wouldn't have been mad at them. Man, if I was going to be mad about it, lots of stuff has gotten broken in my house. But I'm not worried about it. None of, I'm not sentimental about anything to the point, oh, that was Michael's great-grandmother's. You know, I, you know I'm not going to be that way. I just, God have freed me from that. And so we need to quit having this overprotectiveness of our belongings of our and valuing things more than we value people because if that gets torn up something better's coming and when you get that way you can loan your car out hallelujah it won't bother you i had to get past that we had a brand new brand new three-day-old suburban and we were just new in these things of the holy ghost we were i think we've been baptized in the holy ghost maybe six months or so seven months and boy, three days after we had it, my grandmother said, can we borrow y'all Suburban and go to Rio Dosa to go camping in it? And I'm like, you know, it's three days old, you know. <laughs> but I couldn't say no. This was my grandmother. And so I had to say yes, and God worked some things out of me. 
but he got me to the place where then down the road after we were pastoring, one of our church members needed to go to Dallas for Christmas and their car was sorry. And we just said, oh, here, take our car. And they went for their trip. And Myron and Leanne, they sent us to, when the first time we came to Alabama just to scout out the land, we came in their Suburban. They just let us have their Suburban. We came all the way to Alabama. That's, that's like saying, here, t- put 2,000 miles on my car or more. I don't even know. Because we came back through Memphis and, you know, hallelujah. And the chiggers nearly killed us in Memphis. <laughs> we didn't know about chiggers. We went down on the bank of the Mississippi and sat down right there by the bridge. <laughs> and they said, they, we always said, they said, fresh meat. We've never tasted, we've never tasted Texas meat before. <laughs> hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> Well, we we do not sit in grass, do y'all? I know Alabama people that were raised here are, are immune to them. That amazes me. It's like, well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, you get free is what I'm talking about. And if that if if we'd erect it, something better was coming. Hallelujah. So that dread, that dread, that fear, looking out for uh, our oh, being overprotective of things. Looking so instead, because we know something better's coming, we're we're not we're not defensive. We're looking for possibilities. We're uh, we're looking for open doors. We even look for ways to sow a seed. Do you ever think about loaning your car to somebody that needs it? Is sowing a seed. You know, but and looking for suddenlies because God's got more than one way to bless us. So that job, quit worrying about that job. We need to ask ourselves, are we believing the better will come? We need to build the muscle of optimism in our lives. Hallelujah. Have faith in the goodness of God. God's good and he's going to be good to us. Be have hope and hope is Bible hope is confident expectation that good is coming. Good's coming. The car breaks down, that's okay. God'll you know, God'll give us something better. God'll do something. God'll work it out. God'll work it out. That is a good phrase just to have in your heart. God'll work it out. Everything's turning out amazing. But this takes a revelation of God's goodness and of His promises. Just even having a fresh revelation that all things work together for good for those that love God. Do you love God? Yes. Are you, are you answering the call? You are. All of us in this room, we're answering the call of God on our lives every day. Bless God, everything's working together for the good. Hallelujah. My future and your future is not dependent on people. And it's also not dependent on favorable circumstances. Our future's not dependent if the unemployment rate goes to 15%. Our future's not dependent on that. Hallelujah. God will work something else out. If If the only thing He can work out is to give you a little raven in your backyard or to give you an angel that delivers stuff, glory to God. Another thing that we can have... A mindset about in this is that God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. And that, uh, you know, I like what Jesse says too. Another thing is this too shall pass. If you're going through a hard circumstances, it's going to pass. It, it cannot last forever. Sometimes it feels like it's going to, but it can't. Hallelujah. You, 
Praise God. So our setbacks are learning experiences. I, anytime we have a setback, it's, it's a learning experience. It is not a statement about who we are. They say Thomas Edison tried 5,000 times on the light bulb before he got one that worked. But he said, you know, I learned 5,000 ways it wouldn't work. Instead of I failed 5,000 times, I found 5,000 ways it wouldn't work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, so setbacks are not a statement about who we are. Who we are, does, this, the amount of people in this room has, is nothing about who me and Pastor are, who this church is. We need, you know, I didn't understand this when I was young, you know, and I remember a pastor came to our house in Seminole and, and he was just came to visit with us and uh, one of our pastor friends. And we were talking about this problem in the church and that problem. He said, well, Debbie, don't take it personal. And I said, I do take it personal, <laughs> but I don't take any of it personal anymore. It took me a long time to learn that this isn't personal. It doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything about who I am. And what my call is. It doesn't say anything about uh, the anointing that I carry. Hallelujah. God is a good God having that revelation. And I'm building my life on, on God and on Jesus. Let's go to Hebrews 12 too to wind that up. This one. No, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, Hebrews 12 too and we're going to wind that one up. I want to get ahead of myself there. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's, uh, that's how we, we just determine that we're going to, that, that, that if, if this is, doesn't work out, something better's coming. We just keep looking unto Jesus because He's the beginning of our faith and He's the end. And until He says it's over, it's not over. Number 11, victorious mindset. I live to plant into the future. And this helps us to overcome being short-sighted. Let's go to Proverbs 13, 22. I live to plant into the future. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. A good man leaveth an inheritance. Now, we've kind of been short-sighted, I think, on this verse. Because we usually just think, oh, you know, a good man, he's going to leave money to his kids. Well, that's great. I, I like that thought of good men leaving money to their kids. But there's so much more to this verse uh, than that. Uh, we need to have the mentality that everywhere we go, we leave an inheritance. We leave a, we can say it another way, we leave a deposit. We, we change the atmosphere. We leave a change in these people's lives. We leave things better than we found it everywhere we go. If we go in a restroom, we leave that restroom better than we found it. We clean up messes left by other people. If we see paper in the floor, we don't say, oh, you know, somebody will get that. We know we, we leave things better than we found. If we borrow a car, we ought to leave it better than we found it. We ought to bring it home with more gas and washed. Pastor used to always tell me that. Uh, that's one thing he's always lived by in when borrowing things was concerned. We improve every environment that we're a part of. We go to work, we're going to improve the environment at that work. We're going to impart. We talked about that was a word for this year. Everywhere we go to impart. Everywhere we go, leave a deposit. Even if it's just a deposit of making somebody feel good about themselves. Telling them they did a good job. Hallelujah. 
everywhere we go, improving every meeting we attend. When we come to church, we bring something with us and we improve that meeting. We are conscious of, of, of the body language we're sending. We're conscious of the, you know, we're not distracted. We're not, we're not, we, we, we say, no, I'm going to help. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to be a part of God getting done in this service, what he wants to get done. Improving every house we live in. Me and pastors always done that. We've always left houses better than we went into them. That wasn't hard because we wouldn't have lived in what we moved into sometimes. So we had to improve it. But that that's just part of us. If we get a hold of something, we're going to improve it. Uh, every church building, we've always improved it. Even when it was a storefront, we improve it. Um, every relationship we have. This is what leaving an inheritance means on a bigger scale than just, well, I'm going to leave some money. And you know, there's a lot of men that leave money to their kids, but they don't leave a very good inheritance in other areas. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in the world today. Lot that they say that this is one of the number one problems in the church is the church has an orphan spirit. Because we don't have spiritual fathers. We don't have, then they say there's no lack of fathers. There's a lack of sons. People don't know how to be sons. And uh, uh, they say that, uh, and a lot of people didn't have a father. They had a biological father. Everybody has a biological father. But uh, did y'all know that or is that revelation? <laughs> but you may, you may have a biological father and really not have a father. Do you know what I'm saying? And even from good families. And I'm not talking about uh, absentee dads. I'm talking about having one living in the house with you and it still wasn't like a father. They didn't father you. They didn't know how because they, they, had, they had an orphan spirit. And, and it just can go on and on and on. And unless we change that, uh, we'll pass that down. So we want to leave an inheritance. Turn over to Zechariah 4.10. And this is one thing right here that will help us always leave an inheritance and always to leave a deposit. We, don't, we only have speakers into the church more than once if they left a deposit. And you would be surprised, the ones that are just on a circuit. And I mean, they didn't start out that way, but people, see, you know, it's like any job. You start out a job. I know I've had this happen with people that cleaned my house before, uh, they start out and they're doing really good, and then one week they're kind of uh, maybe running behind, so they uh, so they cut corners and they get by with it because you don't really notice, you don't say anything, or even if you did notice, you don't say anything. So they said, you know, I really don't have to do that every week. And so first thing you know, especially if this goes on for years, they are taking your money, showing up a little later, leaving a little earlier doing a little less, but still drawing the same check. That is so easy to fall into when you've been in a job a long time. You get where you're faster at things. You get where you're more efficient. You get where you know the corners. You But pretty soon, you cut corners you really can't cut. Because there are some corners you can cut. But eventually, if you cut corners by not dusting behind that bookshelf... One day, somebody's going to pull out the book and see it. And it's going to be, my Lord, this housekeeper don't keep house. She don't clean my house. I'm just using that for an example because we've had that situation before. Hallelujah. 
And then pretty soon, you know, we sometimes we wonder why we're not favored. Or why they don't, well, they, you know, they don't pay me more. And it's, it's uh, you know, I, I started for that 10 years ago. And now they're still paying me the same amount they were 10 years ago. Well, you got to be doing a better job if you want a bigger paycheck. You know, hallelujah. Glory to God. So we want to keep our thinking right. Zechariah 4.10. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they will rejoice and see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. Well, here's what we want to get out of this. One of the ways to keep this victorious mindset of leaving this deposit is not to despise ball beginnings. Not to despise the little things. You know, we can want revival so bad that we're blind to what God's doing right now. We can want total healing so bad that we're not even excited when we get... 10% improvement. You know? We need to be really rejoicing and thankful over uh, the little small things. Hallelujah. Praise God. We can want the gifts of the Spirit so bad, but not being excited about tongues and interpretation of tongues. Because we have that. all the time. We've had that before. We, well, we want the power gifts. Well, I, I, we all do. We want the power gifts. And the Bible says we're to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but we still need to maintain our thankfulness and excitement over the little things that God's do. God does. If we have a good prayer time, that's we need to be excited about it, you know. So this is uh, loving, being excited and appreciating the small things. And that will help us to always leave a deposit. I know what I was going to, I was talking about housekeeper, but I was getting to the point of, you know, sometimes ministries and pastors can, and traveling ministers too, can get the same way where we begin to take shortcuts in our ministry, just like a housekeeper does. And we can get, uh, uh, like one preacher said, we can bring an old canned message. You know, and you, you have messages in the can. Hallelujah. I like what Ronnie Sims said. He went to be with the Lord, but I remember he came to Word of Life Birmingham one time and he talked about having hot bread. And you know, one thing about being a pastor, it forces you to get hot bread. If I preach the same message next week that I preached this week, y'all are going to be pretty much knowing. Now, sometimes we do review, but if I just went word for word down this thing, you'd go, didn't she preach that last week? Actually, it'd probably be about week four before some people would notice. <laughs> We've tried it before. No, <laughs> no, no, y'all, I'm just kidding. We haven't. But anyway, all of us have to be diligent. It don't matter where we're at. And so we even look for speakers that are going to leave a deposit, change this church, that are on, they know what's happening now in the kingdom. They know what's happening now in the spirit. That's what I'm looking for. Hallelujah. Uh, so we want to be, not be blind to what God's doing because everything started small. Every person started as a baby. They said there was a, a man, they said in a European city, somebody, some tourist came up to a little old man outside of town and said, uh, were there any famous people born here? He said, no, just babies. <laughs> Thought that was pretty cute. Anyway, every revival started as tiny choices. Every church started as a small group. Every great truth, even First Baptist down here started was a small group. It's just been so long nobody can remember when it was. Eight before the Civil War sometime. Eighteen something. Every, uh, every church, every great truth started with just a few people knowing it. Every revelation 
started with just a few people. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we need to be hungry for more, but grateful at the same time. And one of the things, just to keep this mindset of hallelujah, that um, is that it's working. I, I believe what the Lord told me to tell you tonight in conclusion is this. It's working. Your prayers are working. Even if you don't know they're working, if it hadn't felt like they're working, even when it seems like, boy, that wasn't very anointed. We, sometimes we come to prayer and it don't feel very anointed. Sometimes we come and, boy, we just blow the roof off of this place. I like it when it's really, but, you know, even if, no matter which way it is, it's still working. You can't pray in the Holy Ghost and it not be working. Even when we pray for the sick, when we pray for the sick, even if you think nothing happened, nothing happened, I didn't get healed. You cannot get in the presence of God and nothing happened inside you. It is impossible. Hallelujah. Uh, we are improving things. Things are changing in our county. We may not feel like they are. It may look like nothing's changed, but we're improving things. And we're improving things in this county at a faster rate than we were improving them Five years ago, ten years ago. Hallelujah. God, I heard Joyce Meyer say this a long time ago. Even when you think God's not doing anything, He's working under the surface. Hallelujah. In your life, He's working underneath. He's, he's working out things out of you. He's working things into you. He's changing our mindsets. He's getting us to think we're in a way that He can prosper more. We're growing, even if it doesn't look like we're growing. I know I'm growing spiritually. I know because I'm growing at I've been growing so fast that I'm not the same person I was three years ago. And you're growing. The kingdom of God is advancing. It really is. Hallelujah. Uh, we're planning into the Spirit. Every time we come together, every time we pray together, every time we pray in tongues, every time you pray, you're planning into the Spirit. You cannot not get a harvest. Every time you sow a seed, it is impossible for you not to get a harvest. You'd have to curse the seed for you not to get a harvest. You will get a harvest. You are getting it. Sometimes we just don't even recognize our own harvest. We don't see the blessing today connected to a seed five years ago because it's, it's kind of hard to connect it sometimes. It's not, the, it's not that easy to put two and two together. And we are leaving an inheritance. You are, you are affecting people everywhere you go. It may not look like it. You know, I tell you what, people don't, people don't forget us. They may not like us. We may rub them the wrong way. After you come to this church, you're ruined. I mean, you can forget a lot of your pastors, but you'll never, the ones that left here, they can't get us off their mind, Michael and Debbie Billings, because we. We stretched them, we imparted to them, we impacted them. We made them miserable till they left. Because they left instead of dealing with their old sorry flesh. That's why they left. You say, well, do you like to make people miserable? No, it just comes naturally. <laughs> it does. I'm, it's the gift of God in us. We don't, God, that, God needs, needs somebody that will confront unrighteousness. I'm telling you what, I know they hadn't forgot us. Because when they see us in town, they go, you know, they don't go, oh, who, oh, yeah, I went to your church. Oh, they're all still. I've tried to change. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jim. When I try to be nice, it still comes out the same way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But one thing about it, hallelujah, we don't forget them either. Thank you, Jesus. Because we really do love them and love people and want to help people. We really do. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for helping us have renewed minds. Thank you, Father, for changing us so that every thought we think comes under into conformity to your will, that we cast down imaginations by these mighty weapons of our warfare. And every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God, that it would exalt itself against the promises of God, everything that would exalt itself in our mind against who we are in Christ, Lord, we want to pull those down in Jesus' name. Those thoughts, those imaginations. Hallelujah. So that we can know who we are. And so we know what we have. So we can release this glory into this dying and hurting world. And Lord, it's only be by your grace. It'll only be by your help. And we ask you for that grace. And we ask you for that help now. Strengthen us with might by your spirit and the inner man. Help us to walk worthy of you, Lord, in all pleasing. Thank you, Father. Oh, wait, Lord, we, we, we realize and recognize sometimes we don't, but every once in a while, Lord, we get the sense of that you have truly anointed this group of people for a special work that we're not ordinary. Even though we're, when we're not proud about it, we just realize that you're, you're wanting to do something through us in a mighty way, and that, Lord, we we willingly say, we'll do that, we'll go there, we'll be that, as a corporate body, not just as individuals. Lord, we need each other, we depend on each other. Thank you for knitting us together in love, and thank you, Father, for this mighty Word of God working in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we do thank you for that supernatural protection that we're walking in. Thank you, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.